0: If you have your Bibles this morning and you would, find 1 Samuel 14. When I referenced that song in the first service, I never had any idea they would practice for 10 minutes and sing it in the second one, but I am glad that they did. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 14. We are just going verse by verse through this book. And if you have been with us the last few weeks, we are in a sermon series titled Making Decisions in Difficult Moments. And uh, we've been looking at that, and today the uh, subtitle would be Nearing uh, the Summit. And so I want to just recap where we've been. And if you remember, Saul has just become king. He has 2,000 soldiers. His son Jonathan has 1,000 soldiers. And Jonathan decides it would be a good idea to attack the Philistines. And the Philistines have more soldiers, the Bible says, than the sand of The sea, the beach of the sea. And so just imagine this, right? And so we looked there about the difficulties that came with that. And then, though, we talked about how the valley sometimes is still to come. And we looked last week about not only was the children of Israel outnumbered, they had no weapons. The Bible says they had no weapons except for Sauls and Jonathan. And then it even goes on to say that the Philistine army took all of the high places, all of the military strategy, and, and had all this against them. And that's where they found themselves. Outnumbered, outgunned, and totally outpositioned. And that was as low as it could have went for them. But Jonathan decides, under the leadership of the Lord, that it doesn't matter how many we have, few or many, if God's for us, who can be against us? And Jonathan climbs up the edge of that, uh, uh, that mountainside, that cliff, that ravine, and attacks the Philistine garrison. They begin to flee. They begin to flee, and then all of the Philistine army begins to flee. And so we've looked about how God is with us in the valleys. We've looked about how God is with us on our way to the valleys. And today I want to show you how we need to make decisions as God gets us almost through the valley. Now, I know this is going to be hard to believe, but there are pictures and actually witnesses that when I was in high school for two years, I ran cross-country. Now, I know that sounds like a hard thing for you to imagine from the looks of this, but one thing I always made me very happy and very angry was at the same time. You'd be finishing up a race and you'd look ahead And there'd be the finish line. And there'd all be these people, you know. And they'd all be cheering. And your coach would be there on that last curve. And he'd usually say something like this. You have to finish strong. Well, that did two things to me. One, it made me not want to finish strong. And so I would slow down. But two, it would give me great hope that this torture is almost over. Right? The finish line was at sight. And today, I guess that you're probably not running a cross-country meet. But I can promise you that if you're honest today, you have either been in the valley, you are starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, or you are just now coming down off of the mountaintop. And today, I want you to know that when you get close to the summit, is your most dangerous point. You say, wait a second, Jake. I thought in the middle of the... Valley would be the most dangerous point. No. The moment that you are closest to victory is the moment that you must be most careful. And today I want to show you that from what the Bible says. And so if you're taking notes today, and I hope that you will, the first sermon had a, was very short. So if you're, you listen well, then hopefully you will be as privileged as they. But the first thing today is, who is responsible in the events and situations of our life. Who is responsible? Look here in verse 15 with me as we just go verse by verse through this chapter. And there was trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled. The earth quaked, so it was a very great trembling. Now the watchmen of Saul and Gilbia of Benjamin looked, and there was the multitude melting away. And they went here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with them, Now call the roll and see who has gone from us. And when they had called the roll, surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. I want you to know that today in the middle of your difficulty, in the middle of your valley, in the middle of your storm, there is one person that is responsible for the choices that you make. And that person is you. Friends, God promised to be with you in the storm. He promised to get you through the storm. But the decisions you make in the difficult moments of your life are yours and yours alone to make. You see, Saul looks around and watches this enemy army begin to fade away, to run for cover. And the first question he asks is, who did it? Who has done this? Who has caused this army to flee? They've got us outnumbered. They've got us outgunned. They've got us outpositioned. Why would they flee? And friends, that's the way it is. In good times, everyone wants the what? Credit. In bad times, no one wants the blame. And what we see here is that very same thing. Saul says, who's responsible? Now, I'm guessing when he first hears that Jonathan's gone, he's thinking, well, that doesn't surprise me. He just did this to me in the last chapter. <laughs> he, he just caused this to happen. What's going on here? You know, Saul probably doesn't understand for sure whether or not they are going to retreat or they're repositioning. He doesn't know the future. But if I'm Jonathan's dad and he's already did this to me once, I'm thinking, oh boy, when I get my hands on you, But what he doesn't recognize is that Jonathan, through the power of the Lord, has caused this entire army to flee. And last week we looked that when Jonathan was climbing up that ravine, up that mountainside, that he would have been scarred up, he would have been bloody, he would have been bleeding, but yet the scars in your life, whether they are emotional, physical, or spiritual, is a sign that God is not done with you yet. Scars heal and they leave a spot, but it's a sign that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And so we see here who's responsible for the situation. And friends, when you start getting to the top of that mountain and you finally come out of that valley, when you get to that point and you start saying, well, looky there, we've arrived, we've made it. You are in great danger of failing because look what it goes on to say. Second thing I want you to write down is not only are you responsible for the decisions you make, you have to find out what God wants from you next. You see, when you're in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a valley, all you're worried about is surviving. You're just worried about getting through it. But when you finally start getting to the top of that mountain, it's easy sometimes to think, What's next? What, is, what does God want from me next? And listen to what it says here in verses 18 and 19. And Saul said to Ahiah, Bring hither the ark of God. For the ark of God was at that time with the children of Israel. And it came to pass while Saul talked unto the priest that the noise that was in the host of the Philistines went on and increased. And Saul said unto the priest, Withdraw, Thine hand. Two things could be going on here. One, Saul could have heard from God what he was supposed to do. But what I believed happened is Saul wanted to know what God wanted until the enemy's army distracted him. You see, he tells him, find out what God wants for us. Find out what God wants us to do. Find out how God wants us to work. But as the enemy army started getting louder, and it started getting more chaotic, and it sounded more like they were retreating or, or attacking, he decides to what? Take his eyes off the Lord. And I think the greatest threat that applies to you as an individual, to me as an individual, to my marriage, to your marriage, to this church, is the fact that when God gets us through the valley, and we're almost to where we have finally seen victory, it is easy to begin to take our eyes off of Jesus. You see, friends, when you're in the middle of a valley, in the middle of a storm, the only thing you can do is run to Jesus. In those moments when the doctor has told you it's cancer, when you've got the call that you've lost a loved one, when you've been betrayed by that person that you never thought would betray you, when you're struggling with that sin that you never think God can give you the victory over, in those moments, it's easy to run to God. It's easy to spend time in prayer. It's easy to time to, to beg God to work and to move in those moments. But when you start to see victory is at hand, uh, that's when it's easy to what? Well, I don't need to pray. Victory is at hand. Well, I don't need church anymore. God got our marriage through that rocky patch. I I don't need these things that I was desperately clinging on to. Listen to what Psalm 27 says, verse 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Friends, if God is at work in your life, be careful. Be careful as a church not to take your eyes off Jesus when the baptismal waters are stirred. Be careful not to take your eyes off Jesus when God is saving and moving and working. Because in those moments we think, we have arrived, we have accomplished. And when you stop relying on Jesus, when you stop trusting in Him and His promises and His work, friends, that's a dangerous place to be. You say, well, Jake, the Lord got our marriage through the rockiest of times. And, you know, we went to marriage council. We were in Sunday school. We had we prayed together. We read our Bibles together. We were at church all the time. But you know what? Our marriage is pretty good now. We don't need to pray together. We don't need to read our Bibles together. We we don't need to be in church together. And look up here, friends. It's in that moment that you are in greater danger than when you were in the midst of the storm. Because Saul says, I want to hear from God. I want to hear from God. I want to hear from God. Until the distractions of this world took his focus. Third thing I want to show you this morning. We've looked at who's responsible in these situations. What does God want our next move to be? And this is probably my third and favorite point. Most people only show up when they see victory at hand. Don't miss that. Most people only show up when they see victory at hand. Look what it says here in verses 20 and 22. Then Saul and all the people who were with him assembled, and they went to battle. And indeed, every man's sword was against his neighbor. And there was a great confusion. Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, who went up with them into the camp from the surrounding country, they also joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, they also followed hard after them in battle. If you remember or not, when the Philistine army began to head toward Israel, people began to hide. They hid in caves. They hid in corners. They hid in wherever they could find, but not only did they hide, a majority of them jumped ship. They went up to the Philistine army and said, how can we volunteer? How can we be a part of the winning side? And what happens is when God begins to move, when Jonathan starts this through the power of God and Saul begins to march out with his 600, he begins to see him coming out of the woodwork. Like cockroaches, they just start coming out of the hiding spots. They start jumping on Saul's team. I'm sure Saul's army went from 600 to 1,200 to 1,800 to 2,400. And as he starts climbing these mountains to go to battle, all these enemies that were supposed to be children of Israel start jumping ship. And so now his army's at 10,000, 12,000, we don't know. And friends, I want you to hear this, and I hope that you will hear this in love. Trust the people. Who were with you in the valley. Not on the mountaintop. And friends. My prayer for this church. Is that it is always a place. Where people. Can find a second chance. I pray that. That's all right. You don't have to believe that way. Be the next guy's problem I guess. Listen to me. Make sure this is always a church. That no matter how bad. Someone messes up in the community. They can find a home. You make sure this is a place that if no one else wants somebody in Hamilton County, you'll take them and you'll love them and you'll forgive them and you'll walk with them. Because if I was Saul and these fools were coming out of the cliffs, I'd have run them right through. We'd have got to the top of the mountain and those people that were on the other team, I'd have shoved them off. That's the Jake Gray in me. But listen to me everyone sins, everyone falls short. Everyone will betray you. Everyone will run for you. And if you can find those people that don't, trust them with everything you've got. Friends, trust the people that were with you in the valley, not with the people who showed up in the victory. Friends, people will come and go. People will come when things are good in your marriage. People will come when things are good at church. People will come when things are good in your personal life. And you say, Jake, I don't believe that. That's okay, I'm going to tell you another scripture. In Luke chapter 15, there was a young man who wanted his inheritance. He went to his father and said, I want my portion. And his father gave it to him. The younger of the two sons, he got his portion and he went to a far off land. And I want to read these words to you starting in Luke 15. And not many days after the young son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. And when he had spent all, listen, all of it's gone, there arose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country And he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. I am sure that the younger brother, when he had his money, he had no problem finding people to drink with him and party with him and hang with him and to be at his table and to be at his house and to be his friend. But when the money ran out, the privilege ran out, the reputation ran out, when he hit rock bottom, he went to being someone's slave, someone's servant. Where did they all go? Where did they all run to? You see, friends, don't rely on those that came on the mountaintop. Rely on those who were in the valley. And as you know from the rest of this story, this young man realizes I could be fed better at my parents' house. And he gets up and he goes home, and his father's what? Waiting for him. Friends, Today, I want to challenge you with this. It doesn't matter if no one else will forgive you. God will. It won't matter if all of Hamilton County drags your name through the mud. If God loves you, you are loved. I love this song, and it's a song sang by about five sisters, and it's called, He Knows My Name. I'm name-dropping songs, hoping you'll all sing them for me. But anyway... And some of the lyrics go, I don't know about tomorrow. I don't know many things, but what I do know is that he knows my name. And friends, if God loves you and you are a part of the family of God, believe him. Believe him no matter what anyone else says about you, what anyone else thinks about you. Remember that God has been with you through the valleys through the mountaintops, through the trip up, and the trip down. And so as Saul began to see the victory unfold, everybody wanted to be on his team. And friends today, be thankful for people who show up for the victories. But don't forget those who were with you in the valley. And the fourth and final thing this morning, why did all of this happen to the nation of Israel? Why has what you're going through happened to you? Listen to what it says in verse 23. So the Lord saved Israel that day. And the battle passed over to Beth Haven. You see, God allowed the children of Israel to go through this. So he could get the credit for saving them. It doesn't say that Saul won the day. It doesn't say Jonathan won the day. It doesn't say the 600 soldiers won the day. It doesn't say the people that came out of the woodwork won the day. It doesn't say that the traitors won the day. It says that God saved the day. And whatever God has allowed you to go through as an individual, as a family, as a church... At work, you need to understand something. It is not for you to get the credit. It's not for you to get the glory. It is for you to be able to point lost and dying people to a God who loved you through all of it. Every bit of it. You have something the world does not have. And it's hope. You see, friends, everyone has trials. Everyone has tribulation. Everybody's going to have someone that betrays you. Everyone's going to have someone that talks bad about you. Every family is going to have a health diagnosis. Every family is going to lose a loved one. Every church goes through a rough patch. Every person has a coworker that they'd rather slap than see saved from time to time. It happens to all of us. But friends are something that I can share with the world that they don't know. And that's the fact that Jesus Christ loves me and he died for me and he loves them and he died for them as well. You see quit thinking the whole world revolves around you because it doesn't. And it doesn't revolve around me. It doesn't revolve around our family. It doesn't revolve around our church. Everything revolves around him. And friends, what God allows you to go through and today you might be saying, "Jake, it's so hurtful, it's so painful. I don't think I can survive it." I'm not telling you That you should ignore it. I'm telling you. That if God brought you to it. He will bring you. And that you can know. That when God allows you to go through the valleys. As an individual. As a family. As a church. It is so that you can focus on him more. Turn to him more. Trust him more. Because when God gets you. Through that valley. Up the mountain. And you're almost to the peak. You're almost to the top. You can look and say, Lord, I can't believe where you've taken me from. You see, friends, the, the world doesn't need any more churches telling them that God wants you to be healthy and wealthy and wise. <laughs> there does not need to be any more people that are convinced that if you'll just trust God all your financial needs will go away. The world needs to see that after you go get saved, your bank account may, might be just as small as it was before, but that God never allows His children to go without their needs. You say, Jake, I, I thought once I got saved, everybody would love me. Never, No one would ever talk bad about me. No one would ever betray me. No, it's going to happen. But what you have to remember is that you can tell people there is a God A savior who sticks closer than a brother. That he was there with me when no one else was. He was there in my life. He was there in our marriage. He was in our church. Regardless of what was going on. Regardless of how bad it seemed. Regardless of the overwhelming odds. No matter what. There's a God who loves us. And who loves you. And cares about you. And gave his life for you. And friends this world is sin sick. It's sin ruined. But there is coming a day. When this old body. Is going to breathe for the last time. And absent from the body. Is. And friends on that day. It won't matter what anyone else thinks about you. (laughs) It won't matter what anybody else has said about you. It don't matter how many times you've been the source of gossip at the local coffee shop. On that day, the only thing that will matter is that Jesus knows your name. And Friends, you've got to rely on that. You've got to trust that. You see, today, you could have been like Saul and just sit back and quit. Sit back with his army and do nothing. Or you could be like Jonathan. You can say, Lord, my family is worth fighting for. I'm not going to quit. You could say, Lord, I know that you love me as an individual. I know that you love me even though I fail you on a regular basis. Lord, help me to love you and honor you. As a church today, you can make a decision that regardless of COVID, regardless of all that's going on in this world, that you can reach people. You can make a difference in people's lives. You can continue to move forward and see God do Amazing things. Or you can just sit. And so today my challenge to you. As you are starting to see God. Bring victory to your life. Remember. That you're responsible for the choices that you make. That you need to worry about what God wants for you next. You need to trust him and seek his face. You need to be reminded. That everybody's going to show up. When their things are good. And then fourth. Don't remember. Don't forget, excuse me, to give credit where credit is due. Now, some of you are like me. Some of you were wild and rowdy and heathens before God saved you. Right? You, you've got all kinds of things that you can stand up and say, this is how I was, but I'm not anymore. Some of you were saved at seven years old, always came to church, never ran around, Never caused any trouble. But I want you to say, you might not have been a wild heathen before you were saved, but you were still a heathen. And today you might be sitting here in your self-righteousness thinking, I just don't have a testimony. Your testimony ought to be that God saved you in spite of your self-righteousness. Maybe today you're here and you're saying, Jake, our marriage went through a period that it all fell apart. We were fighting and screaming and stepping out and and having trouble. But today, you can give God the credit because He has kept it together. You see, friends, the valleys and the trials and tribulations that you've been through, the overwhelming odds that you faced, the difficulties that you thought were going to kill you, the decisions that have left you scarred and battered and broken. Today, as you get close to the top of that summit, You can say, I shouldn't have made it. I shouldn't have survived it. But God was with me. And friends, we're living in a world of hurting, broken people. Who need to hear this simple thing. That there's a God who loves them. A God who died on a cross for them. A God who says if they'll repent from their sins. Turn from their wicked ways. And trust Him That he'll forgive them for all of their sin and shame. Some of you today need to let God forgive you. Some of you today need to be reminded that God is with you. Some of you today need to be reminded that you're starting to see the victories that God has won. And you're starting to take your eyes off of him. And some of you today just need to testify that God's been with me. God's got me through it. And he gets all of the credit. I don't know where you're at on that spectrum. (laughs) But what I can tell you today is if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, truly know Him in a personal way, friends, you're being robbed of the greatest joy that you could ever have. But today I want you to know that whether you think you are too bad to be saved or whether you're sitting here thinking you're too good to be saved, Jesus died for you. The Bible says He died for you when you were ungodly. He knew every sin that you'd ever commit and died for you anyway. And today, here in just a minute, when this invitation starts, I'm going to be standing right here and I want to take you to the Scripture and show you what it takes to be born again. The Spirit of God is already at work in your heart, is my prayer. And you're saying, I need to be saved. I need a God that will love me and be with me like that. But today, maybe you're here and you're a Christian, and you and your wife came strutting into church today, la, 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 la. and you fought and screamed at each other the whole way here. But I know it was a pretty one. La, de, no one else knows it, but you've already been ready to go uptown and sign the papers and call it quits. Friends, I want you to hear today that God's not done with you. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Jake, I just, I can't go back to work tomorrow. Do you know what my co-workers are like? How awful they are? How terrible they are? I'm just going to quit. God's saying don't. See, today I want you to hear that. Whether you're in the valley, whether you're coming out of the valley, whether you're on the mountaintop, or you're just being stubborn and won't even acknowledge that there is a God. God loves you. And God has made a way for you to be forgiven. You say, Jake, I'm just so far down in that valley, I put myself in the valley. Friends, God can forgive you from yourself. Because that's whose sin he died for. Yours and mine. You say, Jake, but all my life problems are my own fault. I, I've done this to myself. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a mess. Friends, I want you to know that you're already a, a step ahead on all those people who won't admit anything. The Bible says you have to admit That you're a sinner. Then you have to the be part of that. right? Believe that Jesus Christ died upon the cross. Was buried. Rose again. And then you have to confess Him as Lord and Savior. Many people in this room today. Members of this church won't get to the admit part. I didn't do anything wrong. I've never sinned. My troubles all my wife. She just blah, blah, blah. Right? And every wife's going, my husband. He's just blah, blah, blah. Or, I've never done anything wrong at work. My coworkers are just blah, blah, blah. You know, that's how most of us are. And so, today, if you're here and conviction has set in, it's not me, it's not the words, it's the Spirit of God. And friends, never take for granted that God loved you so much that He hung the stars in the sky, that He told the ocean it could only go so far. That He hung the sun at just the right distance. So the earth doesn't freeze or burn up. That He knows exactly what you need. And He loves you so much. That He sent the very Spirit of God today. To speak to your heart. And to mine. Friends, God doesn't love us just corporately. He loves you individually. And today, you can be saved. Today. Today. You can find hope, but it only comes through Jesus and him alone. Bow your heads with me as we pray. Father, today I thank you for your word. Not my words, but yours. Lord, I thank you that as you were with Saul and Jonathan and the children of Israel, Lord, I believe you promised to be with us. And so today, Lord, as this congregation sits, and hopefully, Lord, your spirit begins to work and has been at work. Lord, I pray today that each and every person would know today that they are loved by You. Father, that You know everything about them. They can't hide anything from You. And that today, Lord, You want to save them. Father, I pray for that person who sits on this pew today, for these chairs, and acts like everything's fine. That they've convinced everyone they're fine. But Lord, You know they're not. You know they're hurting, they're struggling, they're broken. And that you can convince them today, Lord, through the drawing of your Spirit, that you can change everything. Father, I pray for those people that are hurting today, their marriages, their families, their health, whatever it is, Lord, that you'd remind them that you're with them in the valley. And last, Lord, I pray today that you'd help this congregation, these families, these individuals, keep their eye on you in the good times and in the bad. Lord, help us to focus on you and you alone, no matter what. Father, I pray for anyone in this building today that doesn't know that they belong to you, that they don't know, Lord, if they took their last breath in this service here today, that they'd go to heaven, that they're yours, that today would be that day they'd step out and come and trust you as the Lord and Savior of their life. And we ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you. Pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.